Come on, amen. Anybody excited? Praise God. I'm excited about what God is doing in your life. Come on, let's grab someone's hand around you. Somebody say, we're getting down to business. Praise God. And I say it like you mean it. We're getting down to business. Amen. Anybody keen to receive a word today? Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything you're doing in our hearts, in our minds. We ask you to quiet our spirits right now, Father, that we can just focus on your glory, focus on your word, and just give you what you deserve right now, which, is, Father God, is our attention. We came here, Father God, on this Sunday to equip ourselves, to equip our spirits, to equip our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Say this right now with me. I want to receive a word that will ignite faith in my life. Amen. Come on. Give God some praise. <clears throat> you know, before, before I start, I, I wanted to say as, as a... Lori was up here and she was talking and whatnot. Uh, we asked you dearly to keep the, the Sanchez family in your prayers. Uh, for those of you who don't know them, that's all right, because they're a lifelong member of this church. Um, Rosa, uh, she's been uh, a mother of the church. At one point, she was our children's director. She's done great things for the church, and, and she's been a huge blessing. And so we ask you that in this time of need that you would just really just pray for them. After service, we're going to have an offering basket in the back. And the, and the reason for that is... Uh, in this time, they're struggling greatly financially, as many of us are, but they, they just need help with the funeral arrangements. And I know, um, for those of you who don't know the family, this is the fifth child they've lost in this same capacity uh, amongst the mother and the two daughters. And so this is just heart-wrenching for them, and we, we're, our prayers are with them. I was with them on Friday night at the hospital, and we ask you, number one, to pray feverently, feverishly for them, and that they would, God would give them peace. There's no words that could comfort there, there really isn't, and so, and also, if, if you have the ability, if you have some extra few dollars, if you would just uh, offer that to them and, and just be able to uh, help them out financially. Oh, I remember when it happened with Candy, uh, the, by the grace of God, through the giving of the church, we were able to uh, absorb the entire cost of the funeral, and so, um, if we can do that this time, hey, that'd be awesome. I think it's somewhere around $1,000 for a baby funeral, and so, man, it's just... And here's the other thing, too. If you can make it to the services, you don't have to know them to actually go just to support them as a church family. Uh, many times that you'll see that people who just joined the church, they have a relative that died, and literally 30 to 50 of us will show up. And we don't even know the person, but we know the person who's hurting. And for us as a family, that's enough to go out and support them. Amen? And so her name is Jackie, and the father's name is Caesar. If we would just keep them in prayer and uh, uh, just keep them in prayer. And if you can, help them out. Amen? Starting a new series today. If you have your Bibles with you, I would ask you to turn with them in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Somebody shout, verse 7. You awake today? I know things are a little longer with communion, children's choir, and we, we do that once a, once a month so that it won't be too long the rest of the month, amen? And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. And I want to cover a topic that is, um, it's important in the Christian faith. And the topic is, somebody shout, faith. Now, when it comes to the topic of faith, I believe that faith is very misconstrued in the body of Christ. A faith can be misunderstood. I believe that we don't understand the full aspect of faith. And over the next four weeks, I want to talk about different types of faith and the faith that you need, amen, to get through your everyday walk with Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. You ready? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. I don't know if you're ready for this. Somebody say, I, I'm ready. It says this. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith does not deny the facts. It does not ignore the facts, but it ignores the power of the facts over your life. I remember as a child... Man, as a child growing up, uh, my brother can attest to this, my family. I believe um, the founding fathers of this church and the founding mothers and Pastor Carmen's family as well, uh, Minister Rose's families as well, we grew up extremely, extremely poor. I remember just uh, a lot of tough times, but there was one tough time 
that I remember in particular, and it was a moment where my entire life changed, and I was very, very young. I don't recall my exact age, but uh, I look back upon this moment. When I think about my life, I don't think about all the hardships I faced. I think about the example my father was as a man of God. It's, it's amazing that when a parent can really get in touch with who they are in Christ, that the bad times won't matter. I was telling somebody just the other day, when I was a kid, my mother, she would have come. We wouldn't have nothing to cook. And so what she would do, if you're really Puerto Rican, you take anything in your, your cabinet, you put it in a pot, and you just make it. Because no matter what it is, you throw some sazon, some adobo, some sofrito, and bam. Just like emerald, bam. It's just... And I would say, Mom, what are we having tonight? And she didn't know what to call it because it wasn't a recipe. And she would say, we're having cucumajanga. <laughs> and so the next night, when we had even left to eat, Mom, what are we having? Cucumajanga. Well, how come this one tastes different? And so just, I just have all these memories, but I always remember them making it fun. And, and I didn't notice, or really, I kid you not, I didn't notice how poor I was maybe till about the fifth or sixth grade. I did not even know what a game system was, and kids came to school with Sega Genesis and all that stuff. I'm like, what is that? Remember that, Ruben? The, the little kids came, Kamar and Jamar, they came to school, and I was like, what is that? That, that looks cool. I think I want one of those. But here, there's this moment in my life where it really, I kid you not, it shifted some things in, in me as a kid. Even as a child, I, 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 it, it just shifted something. And this is the moment where my father was going through a foreclosure of uh, close to eight years. Eight years, he was in court with the with the, uh, the bank, and they wanted to take his house away. He had already lost one house. He was going through financial difficulties. He was having health issues. My mom was having health issues. Um, my father had lost his job at Sikorsky's. He was full-time pastoring and working about three to five other side jobs, newspapers, working at BJ's. Like whatever he could do to make money, put food on the table, my dad was doing it. He was hustling. I mean, by profession, he was a photographer. He was doing whatever he could do. And there came a point in time where we were slated for eviction. And uh, they were coming on this day. I don't remember the exact date or the day of the week it was, but it was a school day. And they were coming that day to evict us. It was a said, done deal. We had lost the house. Eviction day was upon us. And I remember that morning, there was just like, I just remember that morning, clear as day. I remember going off to school. And I, I recall one of my siblings, I believe it was either my sister Diana or Judy. They said to my father, they said to him, where do we come after school? You have to think. He has his four kids, his stepdaughter, my mother himself. He, he feels as a man he could not provide. He could not get it right. He could not uh, stop what was about to happen. He, he probably felt, in, in, when I think about it, it doesn't hurt me that I went through it. It hurt me that he went through it. And I think about the feelings he must have felt. I think about all the things he must have been going through in his mind, the, 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 the mentality he would have had, the, the hurt in his heart he would have had, and all those things. It's the only house that I had ever known. I lived in that house for, for all my life up until that point. And so that morning, they said to him, where do we go after school? And he said a few words that changed my life. And he said, you come home. You come home. About 8.30 that morning, they were scheduled for 9 o'clock. My mother felt the unction to come to the church to pray. And she left my father to face the lawyers, the sheriffs, and the movers by himself. And he went, dropped her off at the church, which was back then was on 1312 State Street. I lived on 610 Colorado Avenue, right down the street here. I grew up in this neighborhood my entire life. I, I remember that he would tell him the story time and time again. He, he came over, he came back to the house, and he locked the front door, and all he knew how to do was he began to pray. He began to pray, and he began to exercise his faith that morning when he had told me, you come home, you Come, you remember that today. You come home. His faith at that moment began to walk. It moved from an abstract thought into a thought process that he spoke it. And when he spoke it, he provoked God to come down on his behalf. Nine o'clock came, the lawyers. Nine o'clock came, the lawyers showed up on the front porch. 9.05, the police came. 9.10, the moving trucks came. State marshals were there. They were all on the front porch about 9.30. My father's inside. All he knows how to do is pray. He didn't go out and say, what are we going to do? What's next? He just stood inside that house and prayed. By 10 o'clock, he looked outside, and there was not a soul on that porch. He looked outside. He didn't know what happened. 
To this day, we don't know what happened. We don't know why they left. But all we know is that a man stood inside trusting and believing God. And he had told his children in faith to come home. And because he was a man of God, God would honor his word. And he was walking by faith and not by sight. Because by sight, the lawyers were out there. By sight, the movers were there. The laborers were there to evict us, to move us, to kick us out. But yet by faith, by faith, he declared that, hey, I'm going to stay in my home because God is my provider. We walk by faith and not by sight. And today, I'm going to talk about two types of faith that you have. You see, my father's faith did not just come out of the blue. It came because he had real everyday faith. Somebody say everyday faith. People in this church, in this body of Christ, even in the churches around us, you need everyday faith. Now, let me pause here and just give my disclaimer. Faith is not sitting there waiting for a miracle. That's not faith. Faith is not just about the supernatural. Faith is not just about mountains moving. If I have the fight, the mustard seed. Faith is not just about the blind being healed, the dead being raised. Faith is simply believing God is. Faith is simply believing what God says. James, the second chapter in verse 17 and 26, James declares, faith without action is dead. And so I want to talk to you today about personal faith, personal everyday faith. Don't you remember when you first came to Christ? I remember when I first really started getting serious with God. I remember it like it was yesterday, and things were different in my life. Things were just different. My gas in my tank went a little further. My money stretched a little more. I was believing God for everything. Believing God for my, my, my wife to come. Believing God for this. Believing God for my job, for the church, for my car. Believing God for everything. And God never let me down. Days where I had no gas in my car, I would go outside and I'd be praying, God, I ain't got nothing. I'm driving to church. I come back come outside after service and somebody done took my car. I sit in it and the seats move. I'm like, what happened? I turn it on and the gas tank is full. I hadn't told nobody what I was going through. I hadn't told nobody nothing. I can't tell you the amount of times I was struggling in my faith and I said, you know what, God, I'm going to trust your word. I kid you not, one day I'm struggling financially. I'm like, God, you know what? I need your provision. I walk into my office before I had cameras, so I don't know who it was. And on my desk is an envelope, and it says, for a pastor, very personal. I'm like, oh, man, it's a letter. It's a letter that somebody's hurt, they're afraid, or something's going on. It's going to be bad. I sat down, I opened this letter, and inside this letter was $1,000. I was able to pay my rent. I didn't have money. And God provided for me. And it doesn't happen because I came to church on Sunday. Real faith has nothing to do, see, I need you to understand this. Your faith does not need, hear me now, your faith needs daily stimulation, not yearly activation. Your faith needs to work daily because people are, their tendency is God didn't do anything for me and God hates me and God this and God that and, and my life's a mess because God doesn't care about me and I'm this and I got troubles and I'm depressed and I'm this and I'm that and I this and I don't got money because God hates me and this and that but you haven't prayed all week, you haven't read your Bible and you haven't sought after God and you have no faith. You see, Faith without action is dead. Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. For God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith should provoke you to action. Your personal faith in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about you and God. Your personal faith in Jesus Christ should provoke you every day to get on your knees and pray. I'm challenging you this week to, to build a better relationship with Jesus Christ. Build a better relationship with the King of Kings. Because I guarantee you, if you think over your life right now, there was a time in your life where you sought after God and he had answers for every situation you were in. But now you feel pain, you feel hurt, you feel turmoil. And the reason is you've walked away from the basics thinking you've accomplished something when you don't realize that something like prayer and reading the word of God is not something you stop doing ever. It's something that you grow with. Is anybody here with me? We walk by faith and not by sight. The issue is, is that you're confronted with a situation about twice a year where you need God to work a miracle. 
About twice a year, someone in your family is facing death. About twice a year, someone in your family is sick. Something's going on. Somebody has cancer. Somebody has this. And you walk in there all hyped up on a fake faith. Because faith does not just rise up in the moment. It has to be stimulated daily. That's why it says in Habakkuk that we should, the just should live by faith. It does not say you should live by faith when a, a crisis arises. Not that you should live by faith when, when you really need it the most, but every day you should activate your faith. And so you go to the hospital and you pray and nothing happens and two weeks later you're at a funeral thinking God failed you when in reality you failed your faith. Because you were trying to pick up a car and you haven't even gone to the gym to pick up 10 pounds. Faith is like a muscle you need to activate and stimulate and you need to work it out. You need to start having belief in yourself first and believing in God first before you can go believing for somebody else. Is anybody here with me today? I'm challenging you into a committed monogamous relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm challenging you to say, you know what? If I want to see God move in my life, I am going to use the faith that God has given me. If I'm going to use God in my life, if I'm going to have God, if I'm going to say I'm a person of faith, I am a believer. And uh, Hebrews 11.4 says that if any man believes in God, he must believe he is through faith. If I'm going to say I believe God, if I'm going to say this, then I have to every day believe his word. Every day, work out on my faith. Every day. Somebody say every day. Every day, I need to read my word. Every day, I need to pray. At the top of the morning and at the bottom of the night, God should be first. Oh, pastor, I'm running out of time. I don't have time. I'm too busy. I have kids. I have this. I have that. I saw this thing on Facebook this week I thought was hilarious. It said, too busy? Skip your devotional. Love Satan. Too busy for God? Skip your prayer time. You don't need that. You're too busy in your life? So much going on? Don't read your Bible today. It's only the daily bread that sustains you daily. It's not the weekly bread. Jesus said, give us our daily bread. He didn't say, give me the bread that comes once a month. Give me the bread on Easter. Give me the bread on Christmas. It's my daily bread. And that's faith to sit there every day and pray to this God who you cannot see. Oh, is anybody here with me today? I'm talking about everyday faith. Faith that says, I believe that God is. I believe God's word, and I'm going to seek him in the morning. I'm going to seek him. And David said, early in the morning will I seek you. Early in the morning. Amen? Somebody tell your neighbor, you need everyday faith. It's this, we understand that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We understand the Bible calls faith this very thing, but yet we've got to realize that not only is it the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, faith is the substance of your salvation. Faith is the very thing that would drive you every day to believe God, to believe who God is, amen? Faith, somebody tell your neighbor, you need faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Every day, you have to walk with faith. I don't think you understand this. You just can't, you just can't wake up one day and choose not to believe God. You can't wake up one day and choose not to have faith. Every day, if you're calling yourself a believer, you must believe God. You must serve God. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Faith. Somebody shout faith. faith. I want to tell you something today. Faith is the vehicle in which God uses to transport his promises to you. Faith is the vehicle God will use to bless you. If you're struggling in your finances, you need faith. You know how hard it is for me? <laughs> you know how hard it is for you when, when you're struggling in your finances? And yet, I'll just speak about myself. I put God first in my tithes and offerings. And I always challenge God. At the beginning of every year, we do first fruits, and it's coming around, and I'm getting excited. The first fruits, and some of you might think I'm crazy, and that's all right. The first fruits is, is, is the church. We give the first entire check, our first entire, in its entirety, to the church, to God. And you may think that's crazy. You may think that's nuts. That's just like, just, 
I can't live like that. And so, you know, I thought the same thing. And so when I, when I saw them doing it, I told you, I thought they were nuts. This is not of God. This is just ignorance. This is foolishness. This is, this is dumb. These people are stupid. I remember when she got up there, the, 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 it was a matter of fact, it was Sister Rosa, Rosa Sanchez. And she brought this up to the leaders and she brought it up to the church. And she got up here and she stood there right here and she said it. And I was like, nope, not this guy. I'm an hourly employee. Maybe you career people can do this, but not me. But yet God just like convicted me so deeply. I'm like 19 years old and I did it. And that same year, God was able to give me the car I have now at a price that was amazing, an interest rate that was amazing. And, and I was hugely blessed by God. The next year, I was given a promotion at my job within a month of me giving that offering. And my salary was literally doubled. Yeah, you wish. The next year I did it, and by this time I'm a pro. And I got another promotion. I went from assistant manager to store manager. I was like so excited. 22 years old, my own store. I, I am the man. Yeah, the next year I, I, I do it again, and, and my car was broken down. It was a mess. I had about $2,000 in debt. My brother calls me up. He's like, Flip, I'm going to fix your car. By the end of the month, all my bills were paid. I had about $3,000 extra. I didn't even know where it came from. God was so good to me. The next year, I did it again, and I'm like all excited. I'm giving my first fruits, and, and, and somebody walks into my office, and in that, that month, I wanted to get married, but I couldn't get married because I didn't have the money to buy a ring from my beautiful now wife, and I was like really sad, but I was still serving God, and I was like, I'm going to either buy her a ring or I'm going to put this money in the offering. I put it in the offering, and I gave it to God in the midst of my hurt, in the midst of my time where I needed finances, I needed God. And somebody walks into my office with a pair of $5,000 his and her rings and says, Pastor, God told me to give it to you, and I'm going to leave now because he's been messing with me about it. And said, this is for you. Here's the receipt. Here's, I'm just like, what? Man, I proposed to her in February, got married in May. And let me tell you something, my wedding cost me $15,000. And within that time frame, February to May, I don't know how, but God gave me $9,000. Yeah, I know. Listen, listen. When, <laughs> let me tell you something. When, when I struggle financially, I give more. When there's no food in my fridge, I go to my account and give 30 bucks more. To you, that sounds crazy. I know, I know it does. And I'm not kidding you. You can ask my wife. And then the dumb thing was this. She started doing it. I mean, she was working part-time. She was working part-time. And within one year, because she kept on giving extra to, the, to God. I, she kept giving, giving faith, faith, give, give, faith, give. And when she did that, dude, she got $4 of raises in one year. Yeah, you wish, right? It just takes faith. And so in my, in my faith, everyday faith, I'm able to honor God. You see, I, I'm trying to challenge you because the, the fact of the matter is this. The majority of the church does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You wake up, you go to work, you come home, tired, watch TV, go to school if you have to, come home, watch TV, knock out. God's not even in your agenda. And you're struggling in your faith, being pulled back into the world. Personal faith. Personal faith should challenge you to let go of sin. Because, especially addictive sins. When I came to Christ, I had to realize I had to let go of cigarettes. Because you know what? When I let go of it, I was trusting God to fulfill all my cravings, all my needs. But nowadays, Christians say, grace, God has given me grace, I'm forgiven, let me not try. No, you're not exercising faith. Because faith says you don't have to drink no more. Faith says I don't have to smoke no more. Faith says I don't have to be addicted to sex no more. Faith says I don't have to be addicted to pornography anymore. So I'll stop doing it in faith that God will deliver me. I'm talking daily faith. Some of you need faith for God to deliver you from yourself. Oh, somebody say, uh-huh. We need daily faith. Faith when life hurts us. Faith when, when things don't work out. You don't just need faith when someone's sick. You don't just need faith when, 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 when times are rough and like someone in your family's dying and you run to the hospital trying to pray for them, but yet you've had no faith all year long. And you're trying to move a mountain with faith much less the size of a mustard seed. 
You see, in my father's life, I was able to see his faith walking. I was able to see that he was a great man of faith. I would go into his room early in the morning. He would be praying. Late at night, praying. Seeking after God. Putting God first. He wasn't perfect, but he was a man of God after God's heart. And it was through his acts of faith that I was encouraged as a young man to serve God. The best example of a Christian I have is my father. And maybe some of you can't say that, but yet look to an example of a person full of faith. Listen, if someone's life looks good and they're in the body of Christ and it really is good, I guarantee you, it's not because of them, it's because of their faith. There ain't nothing that I have that hasn't come through faith. Faith. Somebody tell somebody next to you, you need faith. Habakkuk 2.4, behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just, they shall, shall, shall live by faith. Too many times our idea of faith is not a daily expression of belief in God. You need personal, private faith. You should not be, be sitting there watching TV all day, hanging out all the time, and never seeking God. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot be a Christian parasite and live off of your leaders, your pastors. You can't live off of Sunday's worship. You can't live off of the preaching. You can't live off of Joyce Meyer. You can't live off of T.D. Jakes and Creflo Dollar. You can't live off of TBN. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can read all the books you want. You can read Max Licato. You can read Joyce Myers. You can read all the greatest Christian authors of our time, and yet it cannot replace a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Your faith has got to begin to walk out in your life that you can now act out in faith and go heal someone and go lead someone to Christ because you've been praying. That nasty attitude you had for the last 30 years should have been gone 10 years ago when you got saved. But it hasn't because you haven't acted in faith. And because there's an inner transformation that happens in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When you're sitting there crying out to God in faith early in the morning saying, God, what do you have for me to do today? I guarantee you, if you woke up tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock and said, God, what do you have for me to do today? And his agenda for you will not be have a nasty attitude. He will not say, mistreat your wife because you're a jerk. He will not say, gossip about your coworkers. He will not say, go smoke a bogey because that's what you need first thing in the morning. It will not say, go look for quarters in your pockets so you can buy a Lucy. It will not say, go grab a fifth of Hennessy tonight because you're depressed. It will not say, make some plans Friday night to go to the bar. No, it'll have an inner transformation. Something will change when you seek after God. Something will change when you seek after after God. Faith is the vehicle in which God desires to transport his blessings to you. You cannot, you cannot call yourself a believer if you don't do anything that says you believe. Believers pray. Believers seek God. Believers love each other. Believers fellowship with each other. That's what the nature of a believer is, a person full of faith. Crying out to God daily. Listen, let me tell you something. I don't know if I cued you onto the secret. The church here, we have services Sundays, Mondays, and Wednesdays. And for the youth on Fridays and, and early morning prayer on Saturdays with Pastor Carmen. And the reason we offer these things is not because we want you to come to all of them. Doesn't that sound crazy? We don't offer all these things because we want you to come to all of them. We just know most folks don't pray. And so we have a prayer service. We know most folks don't read their Bible, so we have Bible studies. We know most folks' music is not full of Christian music, so we sing Christian music on Sundays. It's not because I want you here every day of the week. Because some of you feel overwhelmed. Man, they want us there all those days? That's kind of a lot. Well, that's, that's when I come here, it's just a continuation of what I started at home. And so we offer these things in an effort to... 
to jumpstart your relationship with Jesus Christ. I guarantee you, if most of you are honest right now, the most experience you have with God throughout the week is pulling out your daily scripture verse in the YouVersion app of the Bible that comes from Craig Rochelle and LifeChurch.tv, and you post that on Facebook, and there's no depth to what you're reading. There's no relationship to what you're doing. Where's the relationship? It cannot be replaced. Where's the revelation God gave you? To heck with what God told me. What is God telling you? Faith that walks starts with a personal relationship with God. A personal prayer life. Let me tell you something. Where is your, show me your finances and I'll show you your relationship with God. Oh, you don't want to hear that one. That was too deep for some folks. Show me. Because if you can't manage the things that God has given you, you can't manage God himself in your relationship with him. You have got to realize you need a personal relationship with the King of Kings. I'm telling you not to beat you up, but to empower you because there is nothing greater than waking up in the morning, going on YouTube, plugging in my favorite song, finding the longest version of it, pressing play, and just praying. Seeking God, God, what do you have for me today? You know, in my life, my personal life, I've had to divide my citywide life and my personal walk with God. And it's so hard. I will not read the Bible in the morning in order to do a sermon. I'll do it to grow my personal relationship with Jesus. I have to set aside my own time to study. I can't take God's time. Sounds crazy, but it's how I have to do it. Because God's time is important. I have to give him what he's worthy of. What do you give God this past week? How many of you probably watched more TV than you actually talk to God? How many of you thought about this, spent more time at work in overtime than you ever did thinking about God? You need private faith. Private faith, just you and your prayer closet. You seeking after God. And I'm not talking about being super spiritual, because if anybody knows me here, I'm the most unsuper spiritual person you will ever meet. I laugh at the overly spiritual things. I just, I just hate it. I like a lifestyle approach to God. A relationship. We're not doing this out of religion, but out of relationship. We have to have constant communication with God. Colossians 2, 7 says, Be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Somebody say, I got to be in faith. As a believer, I must establish myself in the faith. And being in the faith declares that I, what I must do and how I must act. If I call myself a believer, do I do the things that God's word tells me to do? Or am I a believer with free thinking? A believer that thinks, well, the Bible is written by man. It wasn't inspired by God, so I shouldn't listen to everything it says. And you're not a believer. I'm sorry to break it to you. Let me tell you this. Here's the really difficult part. I would have closed with this, but I don't want to send nobody to hell. The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith. You're saved by grace through faith. If you have no faith, you are not saved. You see, when the Bible talks about Jesus, talks about in the last day, people will go before him and say, but I cast out demons in your name. I did this in your name. I did that in your name. And he's going to say, but I, I never knew you. And that word knew is, is, the, is not just to know you. It's a very intimate word. He never had a relationship with you. I never knew you. Could you imagine coming to church every Sunday for the next 10 years? You die and go to heaven. And he's like, who are you? I don't know you because I never experienced personal time with you. I don't know you. It's the Greek word lako, and it means to really know you intimately. Like the Bible says Adam knew Eve. He understood her, and they had a child. He's not just saying he looked at her. He got intimate with her. You see, on Sunday, as I heard my pastor say, we like a lot of stimulation, but no impregnation. We don't want God's word to root in us. I heard it this morning on TV. We're like the people who are coming and gathering around the campfire for its warmth. Oh, this is good. It was cold out there in the world. Oh, this warmth is really good. But the Bible describes God's fire as an all-consuming fire. And God's point is not to have you be around the fire, to jump in the fire and say, I'm on fire for God. My father had this faith that was unshakable. If anybody knew him, he would set his mind.
signed to something and it was done. Because he believed that God would do it. I've seen God do so many things in my childhood, too many to even fit into a sermon. And I saw God's hand time and time and time again over my father's life because he was a man of personal faith, personal prayer, and he would read his word. He would chase after God. He wasn't perfect, but he was after God's heart. Are you in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? The Bible describes this as the bride of Christ, and if we're the bride of Christ, we can't date the devil. We can't keep on finding ourselves in the same old sin, same old situation. At some point, friend, something has got to change. At some point, your faith, and the reason why so many times you don't change, the reason why is the same way you can't lose weight going to the gym one day a week. You ain't getting to heaven on one day a week. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about coming to the church. It's about being the church. It's about getting on your knees and crying out to God. It's about seeking after him for the lost. Now, why do I need personal faith? You need personal faith for part two here, that you can have faith with action. Faith with action. James 2.17, faith, if it has no works, is dead because it is alone. Faith without action is like a, like a lifeless carcass, a body without a soul, for as works without faith are dead, works. So faith without works is a dead faith. If you don't have any action behind, see, you don't understand. Maybe, maybe you get like, I have to break it down for you, Bridgeport style. You ever seen somebody who goes to church in the street cussing somebody out? What's the first thing you think to yourself? Oh, we're all holy today, right? The first thing you think to yourself is, oh my God, they go to citywide and they're supposed to be a Christian. Right? Isn't that how it goes? They're supposed to be a Christian. Faith without works is dead. What am I saying? What are you doing that shows you're a Christian? What are the actions in your life that show and proclaim God in you? Who have you prayed for? Who have you helped? What homeless person have you taken into your home? For Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40, what you do for the least of these, you've done unto me. Faith without action is like a lifeless carcass. Now, here's the, here's the key. We're not saved by our works. You could help all the homeless people in the world if you want. You're saved by your faith in Jesus. But your faith in Jesus and in God and your belief in your morals as a Christian should provoke you into action on God's behalf. God has not called you to be a bench warmer. If you've been in this church for more than three months and you're not helping out in any area, man, you're outside the vision of our church. That's not how we get down. We help out small ways to great ways, ushering to sound team, to cleaning, to, to whatever it may be, to kids ministry, youth ministry, whatever it is, we help out. We do our part because you are not a consumer. You are a producer. And once you... Yeah, yeah. Once you give your life to God, church is no longer about you. Like I told the leaders this morning, when you come to God and you come to church on Sunday, it's not about your faith. It's not so you can have a victory, so you can get charged, so you can this. No, it's so you can equip yourself to go back out there and touch somebody for God. But because so many of us have no relationship with God, daily we come to church for that. But that's not what church is for. That's not what the gathering is about. You need faith with action. You need faith with action. The life of faith is not in your works. It's not in what you do for God. And neither does your, your, the life of your works flow from faith. But rather, when you have faith in God and you're calling yourself a believer, automatically things should change. You get that door for someone, you'll... You'll help that person with their groceries. You, I wrote a story on Facebook just the other day with a friend from another church, and, and she was at a register in the store, and the gentleman in the register over, he didn't have enough money for his groceries, and he was just looking through all his bags, trying to put stuff back. And you know how that situation goes. How many of you have been there? I've seen that. My father's been there before. And so that's where this, this story kind of rang true with me. And you know what? And she said, I went over to that, to, that, to that cashier, and I said, I'll pay the rest of his bill. Whatever's left, I'll pay it. And the cashier looked at her like she was crazy. And then the guy behind the person who was having money problems, he said, you know what? Split that in half. I'll pay half of that. 
Because when you do one thing for God, you inspire others. A believer should do that. A believer's faith should stimulate not just yourself, but activate someone else. Faith without action is dead. It's just scary because we're saved by grace through faith, and without faith, you're not saved. A personal relationship with God is needed. You need that. One day, you're going to die. One day, you're going to face eternity. And the way you spent your time here on earth determines where you spend your time in eternity. Your faith needs daily exercising. In church, God has called us to be people who walk by faith and not by sight. That you would look at not your situation. Because many of you would say, I can't help a homeless person. I can't help this. I can't do that. I can't give to the church. I can't give up my time. But you walk by faith and not by sight. And do it anyways and watch God reward you. For Hebrews eleven six, 6, he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Every day you have to seek him. I don't know about you, but I love being rewarded by God. Yeah, I love being rewarded by God. Being rewarded by God is so awesome. No amens there. That's okay. Because maybe you haven't been rewarded by God. Maybe you don't have a life that you live that is rewardable. Maybe you haven't done anything to be worthy uh, of God's rewards. Because here's the thing. Although grace and salvation is free, the blessings of God are all conditional. If you look at all the blessings of God, there's two words before them. If or but. But you have to do this, or if you do this, then God will move on your behalf. Some of you say, well, the Bible says that, you know, God provide all my needs. Well, where's the if on that? Where's the if on that? He said he'll heal my land if you pray. He said he'll give me all these things that I need if you seek the kingdom of God. There's always the if involved. If is a big word in the Bible. If. Some of you are so blessed by God and he's trying to show you the value of life. He's so blessed you. He'll give you a good paying job. He'll give you a good home, a good family. And yet you still like a, like a house built on the sand. You just crash every time a wave comes in and you can't handle it. And you don't give God what he's doing. You come in and out of church and you don't serve God the way you should because you have no personal life with God. And now the things you used to beat are coming back at you. The sins you used to fight, you had them beat. Now you're struggling. You need personal faith. Took somebody next to you, tell them, you need personal faith. Faith is a lifestyle. Faith is a lifestyle. Now, personal faith will strengthen your relationship with God. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. I challenge you this week to spend more time reading your Bible. Faith will come your way. I challenge you to spend more time praying, seeking God. Faith will come your way. Faith will rise up in you like a river of living waters. I'm not asking you to make excuses. I'm asking you to be a solution for God's kingdom. I'm asking you to challenge yourself to discipline yourself. Discipline yourself to be a student of God's word. I intend on challenging you all this week. It's not God's desire for you to have a faithless life that is never challenged. Should be told, the majority of believers do not seek after God, and that is not right. I do not desire to be a pastor of a church of people who are just seeker-friendly and just want to come to a nice-looking service and a fun church, but people who are on fire for God, who love God with all their hearts and are willing to seek Him, seeking after God with everything in you. God desires more out of you. God desires to have a relationship with you. Don't you think if you plan on spending eternity with Him, it's a good idea you get to know Him? Faith. You need it. Don't leave earth without it. I challenge you this week to make God be the first priority in your life. Above your children, above your husband, above your wife, above all things, put God first. I have no choice daily but to walk by faith and see life through God's eyes. He's called me to walk by faith and not by sight. By faith, I purchased this building. By faith, we, we grew the church. By faith, we're able to expand the worship team. By faith, even right now, we're looking for another building to relocate. It's all by faith, not because we have the resources. By faith, we knocked down that wall and look now. They're all full. Look now. By faith, we ordered more chairs and we didn't even need them. But yet the need saw. We challenged God and said, God, we got a hundred extra seats. We need you to fill them. And God came through. It's by faith. Personal faith leads to public victory. It's by faith. 
By faith I bought my car. By faith I planned my wedding. By faith I lived my life. If I looked to the eyes of the natural, it would never seem right. It is by faith. We built our website, and now every 30 days, a thousand people come in, and a thousand people, not from this church, see us. And 500 people, every 30 days, listen to our sermons online. Being encouraged, being inspired. It was all by faith. Faith demands a relationship with God. It is not a suggestion. Faith, true faith, demands you serve God daily. True faith demands you strengthen yourself in God. Private faith leads to public works of God. If you want to break the curses over your life, get into a place of prayer and study with God and awaken your faith. Activate what God has made you to be. It's time some of you got into a real relationship with God that caused you to shift You need your mentality to shift. You need your perception of life to shift. Get that cigarette out your mouth. Get that word of God in there. Get those things in your life right. It's time to shift your mind. It's time to shift. It's time to move and say, I believe God has something greater for me. And it'll only come through my faith. It'll only come if I start walking what God has to me. If I start doing what God has. If I start walking in faith. For the just shall live by faith. And God called me to walk by faith and not by sight. I dare you right now. If if your heart's desire is to look for a house. Go today. Start looking for a house. Walk by faith. All you single people, start praying in faith. In faith for your husband, your wife. Whatever you need is cry out to God in faith. Cry out to God. Faith moves mountains. And if faith can move a mountain, it can move a couple of bills, a couple of burdens. You need faith. Drawing near to God should cause a drawing away from carnal, worldful, worldly, sinful things. I don't think you understand. When I first met my wife, I was still messing with cigarettes. When I first met her, I was struggling. My ministers knew, my, 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 my pastors knew that I was still struggling. Yes, I was a pastor smoking cigarettes. So if you can't think I relate to you, you're, you're not that smart. But I, see, I was able to hide it from my wife because in the beginning, I saw her once or twice a week. Somebody work with me here. Follow me now. And because, because I heard her vocalize it a couple times about others, she hated people who smoked. And so I knew I had to hide it as long as I could. And the, the, the addiction I had began to tell me itself, you know what? You have to hide me as long as you can because our relationship is about to be over. So you don't understand this because, because you see God once or twice a week, you can hide the sins around your life and you think it's all right. But the closer I got to getting married and to getting real with my wife, I had to let go of things in my life. And the closer I get to God, sins in me had to leave issues I had had to go because it wasn't going to work in the relationship oh somebody here with me today you cannot go on seeking God diligently and still in sin because real faith provokes you to change does your faith believe that God can move mountains still does your faith really believe that God can do things for you man when my father told me kid you come home he deposited a seed in me that I can look back now almost, almost 19 years later and still see that God is a God who moves mountains, that God is a God who works miracles. It was a pivotal point in my life. You see, not only do you need personal faith, church, you need public faith. And I'm almost done. Private faith leads to public faith. James 2.14, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but James says this, what good is it if you have faith, but you walk by the needy? What good is it if you have faith, but you walk by the poor? What good is it if you have faith, but you never help those in need, and you never serve in God's house, and you never give what is, what is required of you, you never do anything for God? What good is faith? Can that kind of faith save you? And James says no. Verse 26, faith without action is dead. Where is your action? If you are a believer, let go of the things and the sins that so easily beset you. And some of you may say, well, I don't got that problem. You need to let go of your attitude. Let go of your pride. Let go of your your, your gossiping spirit, your judgmental mentality. Let go of it. Let go of the things that you love to hang on to so dearly that have defined you so much as the reason why people won't get close to you. 
Because you lash out at people. You hurt people. Let go of it, God says. Let go of the unforgiveness. Where is your faith? Your faith should provoke you to let go of the things that have hurt you. Real faith will provoke you to move into God's presence. And you have to have a public faith, a faith that says, you know what, I'm a believer now. You know what, Friday night I walked to somebody and said, listen, I misjudged you. I thought you were a horrible person and I didn't like you for no good reason. And I stand before you as a pastor and I apologize to you. This person isn't even saved. And I said, I apologize to you. And I humble myself. And I said, I'm sorry. I misjudged you. I mischaracterized you. And I was completely wrong about you. That's faith. He looked at me and said, wow. That takes a lot. I can't believe you just said that. I said, listen, I was wrong. You know, his response was, when can we hang out? That's faith. My faith provokes me at Home Depot one day, and they forgot to read me up for a couple of items. I had thousands of dollars of stuff, and they forgot this wood glue that was like $2.59. I ran back in there because my faith could not let me walk away with something that wasn't mine. Some of y'all would have been like, blessings, hallelujah. No, 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 no. I don't care if it was my last dollar. I would go back in there, and I'd pay that bill and watch God work on my behalf. You need public faith. When's the last time you tried sharing your faith? Let me ask you, when's the last time you tried sharing your faith? When's the last time someone in your job was hurting and you began to pray for them? Do people in your job know they can go to you for prayer? When's the last time you prayed for your mother, your sister, your brother, your uncle, your cousin? When's the last time you went to somebody on the street who you saw was in a wheelchair and said, man, can I pray for you because I want to activate my faith? Can I pray for you because I serve a God who heals people? Can I pray for you? You need public faith. Faith that people see, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. I'm Christ-like. Your faith needs to begin to walk in your life. You need public faith. Our faith and our belief in God, in Jesus, in the Bible, demands we follow his word. And part of his word is to minister the gospel. He calls you to be a disciple. He called you to go out and make disciples of all nations. And I'm challenging you this week. I challenge every single one of you today, right now, this moment, to reach out to someone for the sake of the gospel. Find someone in your family who's lost. Find someone at your job on the street who needs an encouraging word and begin to sow into their lives. Find someone around you who has less food than you and give them some of yours. Find someone around you who needs help in their finances. And yeah, go out and bless them. Why don't you step out in faith this week? Why don't you start living like a real believer and step out in faith? About 60% of you were like, I don't know about that last part about giving out money, Lord. I don't know about that. But the Bible says that it's better to give than to receive. And the gift makes room for the giver. Every time I've ever given, God has always challenged me. And he's always, I've always given. I, I rise to that challenge and I, I don't say that proudfully. I don't say that proudfully. But man, it's exciting to watch God work in my life. Your faith should be with you every day. You have to live by faith. Come on, stand with me right now as the band comes on up.